What is up, my friends? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Ian McLaren. This is a regular Boston Bruins podcast where we talk about all things that spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Under normal circumstances, we're a daily podcast, but during the COVID-19 break, we're down to three shows a week, and you can typically find new episodes on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you subscribe to Locked On Boston Bruins on your favorite podcast app, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that will be very much appreciated. Now, today's podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, you can use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first order. This week on the podcast, and I believe maybe even next week as well, we're going to be doing a sort of back to the future theme, looking at what might happen to this Bruins roster and the organization in the coming years. Today, I'm going to look a bit uh, short-term future and assess if the Bruins should try to trade for Jack Eichel of the Buffalo Sabres, and if so, what they might have to give up in order to do so. But before we get to that, I just wanted to update the situation in the NHL in relation to COVID-19. After Friday's podcast, there was a bevy of information that was released. Uh, first of all, from the NHL, not first of all, but this is the official statement that was released by the NHL. They said, since NHL clubs were permitted to open their training facilities on June 8th, all players entering these facilities for voluntary training have been subject to mandatory testing for COVID-19. Through today, in excess of 200 players have undergone multiple testing. A total of 11 of these players have tested positive. All players who have tested positive have been self-isolated and are following CDC and Health Canada protocols. The NHL will provide a weekly update on the number of tests administered to players and the results of those tests. The league will not be providing information on the identity of the players or their clubs. Now, this came after it was announced that three Tampa Bay Lightning players and two of their staff had tested positive for COVID-19, effectively shutting down their training facility for the time being. And it was also uh, reported on Friday by Steve Simmons of the Toronto Sun that Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs had tested positive for COVID-19. There was a bit of a controversy surrounding that, considering you know the NHL and the clubs aren't going to be releasing the names of the players that test positive, but uh, Steve Simmons, in his infinite lack of wisdom, decided to do so anyways. Toronto's official statement read uh, like this. Per the National Hockey League protocol with respect to COVID-19, the Toronto Maple Leafs will not be commenting on reports surrounding testing for any of the club's players or staff. A person's medical information in this regard is private. The club will defer to the NHL's policy on handling the disclosure of positive test results in that the league will provide updates on a regular basis with aggregate totals of the number of tests conducted and number of positive tests reported without disclosing either the identities of affected clubs or players. 
Now, the NHL, despite these positive tests, continues to move forward with Phase 2 uh, protocols into Phase 3, which is set to begin uh, in a couple weeks, really. I believe July 10th is the um, target date to begin training camps. According to an athletic article by Michael Russo and James Myrtle, an NHL source said Saturday that the league is not considering pushing back the start date of training camps at this point. However, given many players are not taking part in Phase 2 and not yet in their NHL cities, the players have not yet voted to agree to return to play, it would seem to make that Phase 3 date more difficult to hit. And in fact, some players are expressing some concern about these positive tests. One veteran player told Russo and Myrtle the following, This just makes no sense to me. Right from the return to play format announcement and this phase two thing that none of us have to be in, they've put the cart before the horse. We're in the middle of a pandemic and they're shocked there's an outbreak. It's a long way off to July 10, so you can't tell me more and more guys won't be testing positive as more and more guys start to get back to town. Guys are not happy. This is why we better have a full player vote and not just an executive board vote. I'm not convinced NHLPA Executive Director Don Fear is going to allow that because he knows there's so many of us on the fence. That's why I think the league was trying to be hush-hush on these positive tests. In my opinion, no way we play. Now another thing to consider is that while NHL players are relatively young and healthy and should be able to battle through COVID-19, there are a lot of staff and coaches that are advanced in age and another veteran player made that point. He said, you look at our staff, our coaches, they're older, so it's just deeper than just the players. It's everyone involved as well. The staff, coaches are probably more at risk of getting some serious than we are as players, and we have to think about that as well. So all that to say, the Phase 2 protocol, you know, there's only been 200 players that have reported, about 5% tested positive which is concerning. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning probably didn't help matters by making that viral video. Uh, the boys are back in town celebrating the fact that uh, the return to play format had been agreed upon. And, you know, whether these are false positives or not, and that may have been the case with the Bruins player that tested positive once, negative twice, and was asymptomatic, uh, that could be... A problem with the test, which is equally concerning, but you still have to be very careful and it really doesn't make sense to rush into things as much as we want to see um, what is going to happen. I really do hope that they put it to a full league vote. Every player should have the right to express their concerns, their opinions on this, and it shouldn't be just in the hands of the executive board, although, of course, they will be speaking on behalf of the players. Um, so... Yeah, really concerning to, to say the least. And I really hope that uh, there's some more thought given to this return to play plan that they don't just push through, put their head in the sand and hope for the best. Um, but yeah, that's basically the latest on COVID-19 at this point from an NHL perspective. Now, before we move on, I just want to talk a bit about how the Locked On podcast is committed to standing against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. In the month of June, 
Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. I made a donation to Black Girl Hockey Club, and I would urge you to do some research and find out an organization that you would like to donate to. If you would like to make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash Black Lives Matter. A bit more on Built Bar as well. I've been talking about Built Bar for a couple weeks now, and I uh, could not have been happier with the first box that I received from them. There was uh, a wide assortment of flavors. They're all covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And while I've been working at home, they have been the perfect snack uh, for me to either get through the morning or to power through the day, giving me that nice boost of energy, uh, you know, high in protein, high in fiber, very healthy, but also low calorie, low sugar. So I don't have to worry too much about that while I'm sitting working from home and not really getting out as much as I would used to uh, before COVID-19. If you go to builtbar.com right now and use promo code locked on, you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code locked on for $10 off your first order at builtbar.com where you can mix and match flavors and get the satisfaction of knowing that you're having a healthy yet delicious snack. As I mentioned off the top, we're doing a bit of a back to the future theme around here at the Locked On Podcast Network over the next couple of weeks. And what that means is kind of looking ahead to some scenarios that may face the Bruins in the future, kind of what the roster might look like, players they could target, players they might lose, uh, things to that effect. And so since it's a bit of a hot topic right now, I wanted to take a look at the subject of general manager Don Sweeney taking a run at Buffalo Sabres superstar center Jack Eichel, who is clearly disgruntled with the state of the franchise after uh, general manager Jason Botterill was fired last week, as well as his assistants, the AHL coaching staff, and many scouts, up to 20, 22 people, I think, were let go, leaving him with uh, a very uncertain future in Buffalo, very you know, questionable roster around him and still zero playoff appearances to his name at this point. Here's what he had to say, um, you know, speaking to reporters after the 2014 playoff format was announced and it was uh, made clear that Buffalo's season was over. He said, listen, I'm fed up with losing. I'm fed up and I'm frustrated. It's definitely not easy pill to swallow right now it's been a tough couple months it's been a tough five years with where things have gone Jack Eichel of course was selected second overall by the Sabres back in 2015 they had been intentionally tanking in order to try and secure the rights to Connor McDavid they got the second spot and selected Eichel who is no you know consolation prize to be sure he would have gone first in probably any other draft in recent memory, uh, apart from McDavid. And he has become a franchise player for the Sabres, um, despite the fact this team has not been very competitive. Earlier this year on the podcast, I said that Eichel, when the Sabres were in a playoff position, they got off to a pretty strong start. 
Uh, I had touted him as an MVP candidate, to be sure. And if if the Sabres were able to hang on, um, I think he'd be in that conversation. The Sabres missed out on being one of the final 24 teams by the slimmest of margins. If they had been able to play one more game, which is scheduled against the Montreal Canadiens, if they had won that game they would be in Montreal's spot instead of the Canadians. So that shows you how, you know, not close they were to making the playoffs, but due to COVID-19 and under the NHL's return to play format, if they had gotten those two extra points, they would have been one of those teams. And maybe the conversation is different. Maybe people are voting for him. Maybe Jason Botterell still has his job. Um, here's what else Eichel had to say. He said, I'm a competitor. I want to win every time I go out on the ice. I want to win the Stanley Cup every time I start a season. I'd be lying if I said that I'm not getting frustrated with where things are going. It has been a pleasure working with Sabres head coach, Ralph Kruger, and he does so much for our group every day. There are tough times and he does an amazing job of bringing us back in and narrowing our focus, getting us back to where we need to be mentally. But yeah, I'm definitely not in the greatest place with where the last little bit went, and it's definitely worn on me. Eichel, of course, is also joined by number one overall pick, Rasmus Dahlin, who is a very special defenseman. Those two players together could form a very competitive core for years to come, but right now it's stalled, it's slowed down. Not even stalled, like the their rise hasn't even begun uh, at this point, and you really have to wonder how long Connor, Connor McDavid, sorry, that was a bit of a slip there as there have been conversations as early as last year about McDavid perhaps wanting to bail if the Oilers' situation didn't improve. They're in a playoff spot at the moment. Eichel, who knows how long he's going to wait to see how the ship will be righted in Buffalo. Now, Joe Haggerty of NBC. Uh, Boston, he put up a piece over the weekend kind of suggesting what it might take for Don Sweeney to pry Eichel out of Buffalo. And here's what he suggested. Well, first of all, it should be noted that Jack Eichel's current contract pays him $10 million per season. He signed through 2025-26. He does not currently have a no-move clause on his contract, meaning the Sabres could technically trade him to any team uh, without having to get Eichel to agree to the destination. Now, would he be open to playing for the Boston Bruins? Well, you'd have to think so, considering he's a Massachusetts native. He attended Boston University. He played with current Bruins defenseman uh, Matt Grizzlick uh, and also played with Anders Bjork on the U.S. national development team. The Bruins, of course, are no strangers to loading up on local talent with Grizzlick, Charlie Coyle, Chris Wagner, among others on the active roster. So certainly, Ica would feel at home back in Massachusetts. Now, in terms of what the Bruins might have to give up, this is what uh, Haggerty wrote. He said, certainly the Bruins would need to pull off some seismic moves to accommodate Ica. It would start with trading high-grade young assets like promising young Michigan center and former first-round pick John Beecher, as well as restricted free agent Jake DeBrusque, 
along with a robust high draft pick package. Beecher, of course, was drafted 30th overall in 2019. He recorded nine goals and seven assists for the University of Michigan Wolverines this past season. He's also an Elmira, New York native, uh, which is fairly close to Buffalo, uh, which is just another point to consider. Now, in terms of draft picks, the Bruins, of course, I say of course a lot, eh? they do not have their 2020 first round pick that was sent to Anaheim. Uh, along with David Backus in the Andre Kostra trade. They do have their 2021 and 2022 first-round picks. So if the Bruins are going to include firsts in this deal, it would have to be uh, futures. And then Jake DeBrusque, of course, we all know and love him. He is a restricted free agent following this season. And, you know, coming off, a pretty decent regular season, 19 goals, 16 assists for 35 points in 65 games. Not quite that, um, you know, 30 goal, 25 goal guy that we'd like to see him. Um, and to be quite honest, I wouldn't be opposed to floating DeBrusque and Beecher in a deal for Jack Eichel. I really love Jack Eichel. He's a superstar center in this league and a player that the Bruins can uh, build around for years to come, especially, you know, once uh, Patrice Bergeron parts ways with the Bruins, you know, in who knows a handful of years. Eichel, I should mention had 36 goals and 42 points, sorry, 42 assists for 78 points in 68 games this past regular season and was on pace to eclipse his career high of 82 points, which he recorded last season in 77 games for the Sabres. Now, here's the kicker. It probably wouldn't end there, though. Uh, Haggerty adds, you probably don't get an earth-shattering Eichel deal without including a young D-man like Charlie McAvoy or Brandon Carlo, and that's where the decision could get awfully difficult were it to ever get to that point. Charlie McAvoy, in my mind, is a non-starter. You don't trade him, especially if you're adding in Beecher, DeBrusque, and high picks. That would be too high. Carlo, that would make me think a bit more. Carlo really emerged as a solid defensive defenseman this year, paired with Tori Krug. Um, if Krug were to walk, who knows how that would affect Carlo's game. They were a tremendous pair, and I'd love to see them be kept together. Uh, but, you know, is Carlo worth holding on to in lieu of trying to acquire Jack Eichel? Would you really not want to give him up along with DeBrusque and Beecher to acquire a player like Jack Eichel? Remember, Jack Eichel is only, how old is he, 23 years old? He'll turn 24 in uh, October. So, uh, you know, same draft year as our boy Jake DeBrusque. And his ceiling is way, way higher than DeBrusque's ceiling, way, way higher than Beecher. And I just can't stop thinking about Eichel and Pasternak playing together for years to come. You would still have Marshan Bergeron for a, a bit. You'd have Eichel, Pasternak, and, you know, I can't see too many teams stacking up well against those lines and then have Coyle as your third line center, uh, along with, you know, uh, Richie, perhaps uh, for quite some time as well, Anders, 
Bjork if if he's not a guy that's included in this deal. Now, what it might require, as Haggerty mentions as well, the Bruins would also need to find a tagger for David Krejci and the final year of his $7.25 million contract, which would offset much of the $10 million per season that Eichel will be making for the next six. Given his youth, his upward trajectory, and the salary cap space the Bruins will have when Krejci is gone, an opportunity like Eichel would be the best way to spend admittedly big money in a post-COVID-19 world when economics are uncertain. Haggerty concludes, a trade for Eichel would give the Bruins the dominant young center they absolutely need in the organization with Patrice Bergeron and Krejci both well into the NHL middle age and Charlie Coyle perhaps best suited for a third-line center slot after signing a long contract extension with the black and gold this season. It would also give the Bruins the exact kind of deep scoring talent among their top six for a group that they would have been actively seeking out while loading up the perfection line for the last few seasons of success. This isn't something the Bruins would consider anytime soon, like short-term, given this summer's return to play, and it's something that isn't likely to happen at all, given the sheer magnitude of the move. That's according to Joe Haggerty. But it would be great if this week's Sabres massacre someday turned into a door-opening Eichel for... Sorry, door-opening for Eichel to come home to Boston. Quite honestly, it really gives me... uh, reason to pause to think about what I would give up in order to get Jack Eichel. I would say probably Pasternak and McAvoy would be the only untouchables. You're probably not going to trade Marchand and Bergeron at this point as the Sabres would want young assets to build around. Uh, So yeah, Pasternak, McAvoy, the only two untouchables in my mind. It would only be a matter then of how big of a package do you have to build in order to get Eichel? Uh, if it's Beecher, DeBrusque, and Picks, I would be all over that, to be honest. If you're adding in Carlo, that would be a bit of a reason to pause, but I don't know if that would be a deal stopper in my mind. What do you guys think? Let me know at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Uh, what would be the absolute uh, maximum package that you would send to the Sabres in a deal for Jack Eichel. Speaking of spare parts, let's talk for a moment about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com, you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Their catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. When you visit rockauto.com, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us section so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. Now let's finish with some news and notes from around the NHL. We've already talked about... COVID-19 and the NHL's return to play plan. Sam Carcidi of the of Philly.com, I guess, he wrote an article just questioning why the NHL would want to go ahead with this concerning, considering, I should say, all the uncertainty with COVID-19. He asks, why not just bag the season and start the next campaign after a vaccine has been developed? The NHL would lose lots of TV revenue. Estimates are around $500 million, 
but it will gain respect for putting lives ahead of dollars. He's advocating for a wait-and-see approach, feels the league should shut down plans to complete the season, and look towards starting 2021 on time if virus cases balloon if and when training camps open next month. Now, one of the big factors behind the NHL's plan is the concern of a possible second wave uh, that will keep arenas empty throughout autumn. Staging the tournament from around August through early October in empty arenas would allow them to recoup about half of an estimated $1.1 billion in losses. That really is the sole reason why the NHL is going ahead with this. They can't afford to lose that TV money when they're already losing gate revenue in what is a pretty big gate-driven league, one of the most gate-driven leagues among the big four, I would say. It seems like they really want to stage a full 2021 season beginning on New Year's Day, beginning with a new, uh, sorry, winter classic. But, you know, there's real concerns at this point as to whether it's even worth going ahead with that. Having said that, it sounds as though they've, they've narrowed down the list of potential hope host cities to about six uh, Las Vegas appears to be a front runner and uh, I would be surprised if a Canadian team isn't the other city uh, seeing as how up here we've got COVID uh, not completely under wraps but certainly less cases developing than in uh, the states um, I don't know if Vancouver makes sense seeing as that would be two west coast teams or sorry, West Coast cities. And I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto is one of them, even though that is, along with Montreal, basically the biggest hotspots up here in Canada for COVID-19. I mentioned Tory Krug earlier, and uh, both Joe Haggerty and DJ Bean both wrote pieces about Krug and the Bruins' ability to re-sign him. Uh, with all the uncertainty in terms of cap going up or down uh, because of COVID-19. Bruce Cassidy even recently talked about how the Bruins might deploy a five forward power play if Tory Krug is not a part of the Bruins' plans going forward. Uh, he surmised, you know, is it Grizzlick, is it Charlie McAvoy, or is it a fifth forward who will take Krug's place on the top power play unit. That's one thing I've been brainstorming. He said, it's been rattling around in my head a little bit. Not for this year. We have Tory in place. It may never be an issue if Krug ends up re-signing, but it's one of those things to put in the hopper for down the road. Krug has said he could take a hometown discount to remain with the Bruins. I believe it's possible that he would seeing as he's so comfortable with the team they've had great success together he really feels at home in boston despite being a michigan guy but the reality is even after clearing david backus's cap space the bruins may not have sufficient space to resign him especially if uh, he tests the open market and a team comes knocking at his door with an offer that blows whatever boston might be able to offer out of the water so, yeah, I mean, it's really something to consider. It would probably really require some finagling. Uh, DJ Bean writes, it would probably take, you know, trading John Moore, 
maybe Nick Ritchie to get rid of their cap space. We've already talked about trading David Krejci, but that would be bringing in Jack Eichel, and that would be adding uh, already. So that would probably rule out signing Tory Krug, which is a consideration in that discussion as well. So all that to say, there's still a lot of uncertainty in regards to Tory Krug and the Boston Bruins. And, um, you know, if the season is indeed scrapped, then it's quite possible that we may have seen the last of Tory Krug in Bruins black and gold, which would be very unfortunate. So I don't mean to, to end the podcast on a down note, but it's something to, to keep in mind for sure. That's it for today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. I hope that all you dad bods and father figures had a nice Father's Day. And my thoughts are with those for whom Father's Day is tough because of uh, people who have been lost along the way. Uh, thanks again for listening. You can find me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. You can find the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. I hope you're all doing well, taking care of yourselves, practicing social distancing and wearing masks when appropriate and necessary. And uh, I'm uh, just, yeah, really excited to continue this content. If you have anything that you'd like me to talk about looking ahead into the Bruins future, be sure to hit me up and, and I'll try to get to that as well. Uh, I really appreciate everyone who listens to the podcast and I wish you the best uh, on your Monday and throughout the rest of the week. And we'll be back in a couple of days for the next episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Take care, friends.